Wes, how do you how do you feel about the movie Inception? I thought it was good, but it's Christopher Nolan where it's it's good, but I it sits there in this sort of middle space of what I think about. It. I, I liked it, but didn't love it. I guess would be the way that I'm thinking. Yeah, I've noticed it's a fairly polarizing movie. It it, it seems like people either really enjoy it or, or don't really care for it. Um, I I thought it was I thought it was great, and uh, I'm I was really excited to see a. 90s television low budget version of it but uh <laughs> they they didn't quite have the same budget as christopher nolan coming off the dark night so for better or worse unfortunately yeah. and they also uh broach uh male love in a way that i don't think inception really gets into uh arguably but- arguably it probably should have gotten into that because there's a lot of dudes who are just broing down in that movie yeah you know yeah yeah no nar- nary a stray pinky crosses the pinky of another man in that movie <laughs> I, I was, I think, um, I was listening to a Ringer podcast or something that really uh, stuck with me about it. It's the way I think about Nolan movies now. Is that every leading male in a Nolan movie is Christopher Nolan, basically? <laughs> and it really sure. makes sense when you think about. It, they're all very stiff British characters. Like even yeah, if they're not British yeah. actors, they are written to and performed in a British way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he really, he really inserts himself in his very British semi-autistic. Outlook on life I, in these interesting movies. I do wonder what his relationship with his wife is like because I don't think his movies are very warm. They're generally very cold. Yeah, and the weak points are are tend to be the relationships between men and women in his movies. Love, um, yeah, love relationships are tough. I think most in the Prestige, yeah. where it kind of relies on that a lot. He comes across as pretty cold with both both the lead characters and their significant others yeah that one even batman uh but you know let's that's not a Chris, this isn't the Christ, christopher nolan podcast we should probably talk about stuff <laughs> so let's take a break i'm going to play some music and then we're going to talk about extreme measures accessing library computer data out there there are no saints just people So this episode is called Extreme Measures. It is the 23rd episode of the seventh season, aired on May 19th, 1999, written by David Weddle and Bradley Thompson, uh, really cementing themselves as the the not to go, the opposite of the go-to group of writers for this series, <laughs> directed by Steve Posey. In this episode, Bashir and O'Brien lure a Section 31 agent to the station in a desperate search for the cure to the disease that is killing Odo. We've only got two episodes left after this one. Extreme measures. Clay, this is a, a bad episode outright. It's probably the worst yeah. episode of the entire arc that closes things out. Uh, I Okay. I don't know if I would go that far because I think there was potential. And I was, I was riding on the potential train for a lot of this episode. And once they get to the point where it's O'Brien and, and Bashir laying in a hallway having an extended conversation about how they definitely don't want to kiss each other <laughs> at that point i was like uh is this really the right time to be doing this and could, should it really take this much time and should it be done in this way and all of the answers to those things i think are no but See, that that moment's the only moment i kind of like out of this because well, I think it's I think it's so weird and strange and at the, it's like It's so long though. It's so long. That is, that is kind of the problem. It's not 
it's maybe not subtle enough, but it, to me, it feels in the same way that the writers are like, now that we're at the end of the series, we're really going to say what we've been thinking for seven years. You you saw it in um, Ezra and Worf talking about the Klingon Empire in the last episode. Sure. And now you're yep. getting it here where it's like, we're not gay, but we love each other. Could talk mm-hmm. like the, the writers are just sort of stating what they think about these characters. And it's super long and super weird. But it's it's just it might be just be a case of the wrong place, wrong time for this story. Like it may be a little bit earlier to get this out of the way it would have been fine. The relationship between those two, but it's I find this episode incredibly boring and mm. also incredibly destructive to Section Thirty One in a lot of ways. We're trying to lure someone from Section Thirty One here to the station. Section Thirty One. What do they have to do with this? We believe that they were responsible for infecting Odo in the first place. What? We believe that he became infected three years ago when he underwent a medical examination at Starfleet headquarters. Evidently, Section 31 hoped that Odo would transmit the disease to the other founders when he linked with them. I also think it's destructive to Bashir and... Sorry, I got an ambulance going by or something. No. Um, <laughs> Fire truck for these the, hot takes. The, the, writer, the writer police are coming to get me. Um, <clears throat> because... I think the tone of this episode is way off because what's actually happening in this episode is really interesting if you break it down into what like the high concept is, but they don't recognize it enough to really lean into it at all because what's happening is Bashir is crossing, he's crossing the line from TNG Roddenberry character into section 31 territory he's sinking down to their level in order to defeat them yeah which should be a huge deal and especially if he's going into the mind of sloan uh and bringing o'brien with him that was my fa- that was the my favorite scene uh, well one of my favorite scenes is when uh <laughs> was when bashir is like since i'm genetically advanced and i can i can control my brain and heart rate to the point where I won't get freaked out and I can wake myself up. I'm the one who should do this. And then O'Brien's like, I can't do any of those things, but I'm also coming. <laughs> it's like, what? No. <laughs> um, but like, you know, having O'Brien there who is a literal uh, direct line from him, from Bashir to TNG, uh, as well as being his, his best friend and or possible lover. Um <laughs> You've this story should be essentially like Apocalypse Now, where Bashir is is descending into or Heart of Darkness, if you will, uh, is descending into the depths of what Section Thirty One is and what he's going to have to do to get this information. And when he and you know getting to there at the end, where he's finally got everything in his hands, he's got this like immense power. That, that he could use to completely destroy Section 31, then that's when he has to be pulled back and realize that, no, this isn't the way to do things. So he gets the cure. He cures Odo. But the end of this episode should not be Bashir and O'Brien joking around playing darts. Yeah. The end of this episode should be Bashir being like, what the fuck did I just do? I just invaded somebody's mind after uh, uh, I kidnapped someone, invaded their mind, and tortured them, essentially, for the sake of getting of of getting this thing, this piece of information out, which granted did work, but that's even scarier that he just validated that Section Thirty One does things the right way. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's a great point. I mean, I hadn't really considered it that way, but it's true that it, the story would just be 
the story should just be the sacrifice of his original uh, belief system in order to get the job done. And then yeah. he ends up with blood on his hands in a lot of the same ways that Section 31 would do. I think it, it is probably a... In a lot of ways, I guess the problem with that is that they leaned into the Bashir and O'Brien story too much. And yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think they... I, I don't think... I think you could still do that. But I just think the the context at which they put it in just doesn't doesn't have the same uh, emphasis that it could have if you if you really you know gave it if you, if you really if you put the O'Brien and Bashir story into this other story about Bashir losing his way and O'Brien being the one to be able to pull him back then it's like it's so much more powerful yeah yeah no I'd, I I like that I. I just I think the tone is not just a miss on that. I wonder if that's like even it's it's obviously that's what the writing intent is, but it feels like this the episode just doesn't focus on any of that whatsoever. It's just, No, it doesn't. It's yeah. So, it's so strange in what it does focus on. I mean, first and foremost, I I think it's almost laugh out loud comical how easily Sloane is captured in this episode. Yes. Like she's <laughs> it's the the section 31 has spent their entire existence over hundreds of years not being caught by anyone. And mm-hmm. the the idea, like, it's, it's almost so obvious that you expect that Salone has been expecting him to be caught, and he's sort of going to play this against them in some way, but it's not. They, they legitimately capture him and brainwash him, and then he tries to kill himself. And I also hate um good guy personality schism sloan in the in his brain where he's like hey i'm nice sloan like i really want to do what's right so i'll give oh shit he shot me i luther sloan i love that his name is luther but luther sloan Mm. has no part of that personality in him i don't believe no and what's the i and i i i kind of feel like i would love to know if there is a first draft of the script that is closer to what i'm talking about because that scene with good guy Sloan feels like it's supposed to be a mirror for Bashir where you've got this one part of him that is a good guy who was then corrupted by this pull of section 31 into turning into what it, it, it inevitably became. Yeah. That yep. scene is fucking dog shit as it <laughs> appears in the show, but like the intent or, or possible intent of what might be the idea there is actually really interesting, but I don't know if I'm just writing a better show in my head. I'm not sure. Yeah, so that scene is funny. It's just Sloan giving like a thank you for coming speech for five minutes. It's a, th- <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a thank you for coming speech where he's telling everybody in his family that he loves them, and every time they cut to everybody else, they look like they don't know why they're there. <laughs> his his fucking wife and his daughter look like they're just standing there doing a camera test for lighting when he's like. <laughs> There's a point in the speech where he says, okay, nobody cry. And it's like, dude, don't worry. <laughs> nobody is anywhere near to emoting at all, let alone crying. Yeah. No, it's I just the, the fact that they captured him, I think, is awful. Like, it, yeah. it's just terrible. Or if you're not, if you're going to, if you're going to have him captured, he needs to be able to be in control of the situation at that point, And you need to come mm-hmm. up with some better reason why he's not just kind of uh, fucking with them or something like that. Like, it's just everything that we've been told about Section 31 to this point is erased by what happens to him in this episode. It's just, he's such a, and I like him because he's such a cool character to me. Like, he's kind of, you know, he's a little bit 
the tropey super like super agent guy who's kind of nebulous and everything like that. But I think the performance is really good, and I think the idea of Section Thirty One is really good. So to have it be so easy for Bashir and O'Brien, and the other thing that's easy is when they realize that their inception point, right, that they're still in the dream. Mm-hmm. That is the easiest, silliest reveal of all time, where they just open the door and step out, and it's the hall, the dream hallway again. Yeah. Like, what? what's going on? Why? I don't know. I, I just thought it was, that felt like such a, that you have a plot outline of the twist is going to be they're still in the dream. But when it comes out, it's just like, hey, we're still in the dream. Oh, okay. Let's go open that door then. Yeah, we'll, let's we'll, go we'll, back we'll, to the thing. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll end the episode. There's no problem with doing that. Yeah, you know that door that they that Sloan is actively stopping us from getting near. Let's just go back there now that we figured right. out the third time. <laughs> I mean, you could, I guess you could argue that, oh, he's close to death, so he doesn't have all of his dream world powers or some shit. Right, he's but, having yeah, trouble it, holding him off that, or something. That was the biggest, the you know, tone aside, that was the biggest letdown for me was that whole sequence of being in the dream. Like the, I didn't even question for a minute that, with a fake out when they when they wake up i was like oh okay i guess that must be legit because nothing else they've done in the dream world is trippy or weird or anything so there's no reason to believe that they didn't just leave right i I um, think they even exposed their hand because they have sloan consciously wills cisco and Worf to try to stop bashir from doing what he's doing Worf comes up and grabs bashir on the shoulder mm -hmm. in a way that's like oh this is not really Worf. like you they I think they they go too far in even over explaining or over showing or over hinting that it's not the real thing when it's it's, it's possibly plainly obvious. But I actually didn't even I didn't I didn't catch it at first because I I just expected it. Nothing about what I had seen before made me think that it was going to be clever in any way. Right. So I was just like, okay, I guess they're out now, and now they have to find like the idea in my head that oh they fucked up and they didn't get it. And now they've got to figure out another way to save Odo was more interesting to me than going more, back or, into the more, dream. <laughs> more of a possibility than them going into the dream. It's like, um, I don't know if you watched any of, uh, uh, I know you watched Daredevil. Um, did you watch any of Iron Fist, nope. the Marvel Netflix show? No. So this, this episode, which sets up where it's Bashir and O'Brien going into Sloan's mind as he's dying. And 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 Bashir is like, yeah, man, it might get fucking crazy in there. It's gonna be nuts. I don't know if you're gonna be able to handle it. I don't this know. This is I'm a highly trained operative it. of uh, super secret yeah. mind techniques. He knows yeah. everything. And, and so your first thought is like, oh shit, this should be like Inception. This should be like Doctor Strange or something. And it's just two guys in the same hallway. <laughs> yeah, there's shot five by minutes. <laughs> There's five minutes of them not understanding or being stuck in the elevator and being afraid to move in the elevator. <laughs> and then they exit the elevator and they're in like one stretch of a hallway on Deep Space Nine. It wasn't even like the other things where it's like, oh, why are we in Deep Space Nine? Oh, well, this is the uh, negative mirror evil version in my brain. So you have free reign of Deep Space Nine to do cool shit on Deep Space Nine. This was a hallway of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it reminded me of of uh, Iron Fist because the setup for Iron Fist is that you've got this character who is the world's greatest fighter. He's defeated all of these uh, – the other monks in his martial arts group or whatever, uh, uh, and he's he's beaten a, a literal dragon 
to earn the power of the Iron Fist. So he's the greatest fighter in the world. And so you're thinking this show is going to be like, oh, shit, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be tons of fights. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be all sorts of stuff. Maybe it's going to be like a tournament or something. And then you watch the show, and it's like 95%. It's like watching the show Suits. It like most of it takes place inside boardrooms of businesses. Yeah. yeah. And the guy that they got to play Iron Fist can't even fight. So, <laughs> and he can't, he doesn't wear a mask. So, like, they can't swap him out for a stuntman who actually can fight. So, you're left with this like really cool concept, but the execution is just like, what if we had, uh, you know, I, I know you want to see the guy with the glowing fists punch people and explode stuff, but what if. You like stuck stuck with us for thirteen episodes of this like corporate hostile takeover story featuring characters you don't care about, right? And yeah. that's that's how I felt about this episode where it's like, okay, you're you're setting this up like it's going to be fucking wild. Yeah, it's. And I mean, it's it's also yeah, not to. It doesn't even but- raise itself. It doesn't even raise itself to the level of a mirror mirror universe. <laughs> where it's like the lights are off, right? You know? the, the most boring because ver- they. They've kind of done this one before. Do you remember the episode Distant Voices where Bashir goes into that guy, the guy with like electrical yeah. power? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, that story exactly. Again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they that one they made full use of of the station. Yeah, so he walks around uh, in the station. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine that this is as as stilted as it is because like they were shooting another episode on the right regular stage or something. Oh, sure. Yeah, I and I think the, the even. Maybe even the bigger problem to me, uh, besides the fact that the the plot setup is so silly and everything like that, and that the low budget stakes, it's the the problem is that this episode resolves a huge plot point in the yeah. arc to this point. Odo getting cured is an enormous plot development here, mm-hmm. and to have to have that come off such a weak like shitty adventure from Bashir and O'Brien is yeah. is really kind of disappointing. And it's like, as much as I like those two and as much as I like the pairing and their sort of conversations with each other and everything, like I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it just, I think the problem is if you're not going to do a sort of idea, like you were talking about with this script, I also would rather have Bashir and O'Brien's relationship be summarized some other way. Than this, you mean it, like with a kiss? Yes, with a kiss and a uh, pat on the bum and everything like that to move them on. It's it just I f- I think it fails. I think it's extremely unsatisfying in virtually everything it sets out to do. Like whether it's curing Odo, resolving the Bashir and O'Brien storyline, resolving Section Thirty One, resolving the cure, all that stuff. Every bit of it is like this is so boring. Every every portion yeah. of this is just so boring. Yeah, the only thing I thought was really good i actually really liked the first scene with kira and odo um because i i i i mean i don't know if it was a little bit influenced by the death of Rene abergenoir or what but i thought that that scene was was really nice yeah and yeah. it was a it was a good it was a good emotional scene between the two of them especially coming off the last episode that felt a lot more real to me than uh let's let's entwine our arms and share two drinks at Vix the way they usually handle it, you know? I mean, wouldn't... I know this is a Bashir and O'Brien, but wouldn't it make sense to have Kira and Bashir go in for this secret? Because um, Kira has the personal connection of, like, we have to accomplish this goal. Sure. Well, again, I guess it depends on what you're trying to do with the episode and what we are trying to do with the story. Because, like, if you do... 
I, I, I'm trying to think about this in the in the the parameters of the story they tell versus the story I wish they told. <laughs> right. Um, and if you're going by the parameters of the story they do that they did tell, probably yeah. Well, I, I guess I would counter that with O'Brien needs to be the voice of reason that tells Bashir to leave. And if Kira and him are both in there, they both would want to stay in the right. dream world. Yeah, that's that's what I was I was thinking of because like if you're if you're going the, the way that they go here and you switch out Kira for O'Brien, then most likely the dynamic flips and Kira is the one who is willing to do anything and Bashir is the one who has to be the voice of reason. Yeah, and that's not as not, satisfying. Yeah, then you're not even getting close to this idea that Bashir is, is stepping over a line. Even unless, the okay, the, the way that that works is if everything that happens in this episode is predicated by Kira do, like being the uh, catalyst for it. So, like, it's not Bashir who comes up with the idea to drill into his brain and go walking around in his thoughts. It's Kira who does that. You know what I mean? Like, where Bashir's like, ah, there's nothing else we can do. I'm sorry. And Kira's like, fuck you. Think of something. And then he's like, all right, well, I guess we could break into his brain and just do it. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, that yeah. kind of thing. Where it's like, it's about her finding a line versus Bashir finding a line. Yeah. And I guess you could make a conflict about if they're in the brain and they're needing to get out of there, Bashir wants to stay to destroy Section 31. And Kira has to make this crisis of faith choice between Odo and getting out of there, kind of. Sure. I don't know if that really works. Like, I I guess O'Brien is kind of integral to this whole yeah. thing. It's just that the yeah. his importance seems so subdued here it's like i i don't even like the scene where he has to pull him out because i don't maybe it's to your point that i don't think they approach the, uh, the bashir in section 31 thing as strongly as they need to but i i almost think that bashir is being foolish at the end it's like come on dude like get out of there like what, what, what right. do you need to do because i don't think they sell bashir wanting to take down section 31 in a way that lands with me they do have the character say multiple times that that's what he wants to do and that's like the best thing for it but it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel believable to me that that's his real motivation and it's also i mean i guess you can kind of hand wave this as the magic of store of of stories and whatnot but like what was he how was he planning on bringing all that shit out with him He's going like, to read it real quick and memorize it. To get out I guess thing. you know it's like he's got all these data pads and yeah, shit yeah. And, and papers and stuff, and he's like, "We've everything here is what we could use to blah blah blah." It's like, well, okay. I mean, you've already read apparently like a bunch of it while you've been standing there, so theoretically, you should have committed it to memory. I don't know. It's, it's the just, Nightmare on Elm Street. Whatever he hugs really tightly and wakes yeah. up, he'll be holding when he <laughs> pops out into the real world. Yeah, like I guess there's a difference. Uh, uh, like, it, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how he was planning on getting all of that information out. I mean, there's a difference between memorizing like a a, a gene code versus rem- memorizing 400 pages of uh, of uh, J. Edgar Hoover files. You know? Yeah, there seems to be a um, there seems to be a thing that th- this episode is kind of a trope to me in Star Trek and probably a lot of genre fiction, TV genre stuff where. The idea is sometimes too big for an episode of television to get across. I, mm-hmm. I think that one that this reminds me of is um, A Matter of Perspective on TNG, which has this great idea of uh, Riker is visiting a planet and someone dies there. And so to to reenact what happens, they go on the holodeck and they have Riker and this other guy who is there tell conflicting stories about what happened and they reenact it on the holodeck. Right. And that's such a cool idea. It's obviously, uh, you know, the, um, uh, it's obviously been done in Rashomon and stuff like that. And like, you, you mm-hmm. know, this story, 
but to do it in Star Trek is cool. But however, the writers came up with this idea, but it's almost like they don't have enough time to really flesh out how to make that idea interesting on TV. Yeah. So the murder investigation is super boring and super bland and nothing really uh, interesting is, about it. Is that the one where like they they actually solve it based on information there's no way they could have possibly known? Where it's like they, they, they do the holodeck thing and then they do like a 360 turn and there's another guy hiding behind a box or something. But neither of those, Riker nor the other guy saw that person. So it's completely, there's no reason why that information should be in the holodeck. Or no, something. It, they solve it by, they, they get some kind of computer information about like a little explosion that happened right before Riker beams out. And they reenact it by the guy shoots Riker with a phaser as he's beaming out and it reflects and it shoots the generator and blows up and something like that. Oh, that's, that's totally different. Too. You might be thinking of the, um, there was that one where Jordy turned into an alien, but he did that really creepy holodeck reenactment of the alien standing in the picture. Like there was a shadow on the wall that he couldn't figure out. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's funny. Cause I was thinking, uh, while I was watching this, I was thinking about the prisoner episode, a, B and C where, uh, they go into six's brain and reenact this party sequence yeah. to try and, <laughs> trick him into revealing his uh you know who he's working for and all that kind of stuff the information and, that they need yeah and I, I i liked that one because that one turns into like an active push and pull game because he has time between uh sessions to kind of figure out their game and figure out how to play their game yeah the battlefield but, uh, becomes a playground for them right, in that case yeah. in a way it that gets, it doesn't here at all and it gets and it gets trippy and weird in a way that is not super high budget, but is still really satisfying because yeah. it's just weird and strange. And it's a very dreamy party. Um, but yeah, it's just this is just so boring. That's the it's, weakest part. The whole the whole in brain sequence here. If you're in the mind of a super secret agent, it needs to be more creative than this than than him yeah. just meeting good guy Sloan, which is terrible. Good guy Sloan is about ten minutes of the episode, and it's awful. There's no reason for yeah. that to exist. And if Sloane is not more adept at putting up blocks to prevent them from getting this information, I don't, I don't know how Section 31 exists. Like, there has to be a, way, a better right. way than yes. this. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't interesting. It was... How is, how is there no Sloane arguing the point of view that killing the founders is the right thing to do? I know. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, why not? Nobody says that, ever. That's the, only, not even, that's, that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like there's has anybody floated that at all since this idea has come out? Just section 31. No one no one's talked about the benefits. There's no Cisco scene where he's like, "You know what? This is uh, you know, it sucks to be Odo, but we are losing this war at this point. Maybe something needs to happen." Yeah, Cisco doesn't even like for a second consider it as maybe the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, he yep. just goes genocide. But I And that's kind of it. I'd rather have that come from Sloane because that character is better at delivering that True. kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, and and that would that would play on Bashir's morality that he is already in the process of uh, going against to do what he's doing. Um, yeah, there's got to be a more interesting way to do this <laughs> stuff than just like a hallway full of locked doors. <laughs> And like it's a hallway full of locked doors, and then once they get back to the door, it's like oh, boop boop boop. Oh, it's opened this time. Yeah, you know, came in. I don't. Know. I guess he's dying or whatever. But like when they got into the room, I actually liked the room. It's cool. The, yeah, it's it's, yeah. It's, a, it's like a Hobbit house or something in Star Trek. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they did. It was a nice literalization of what 
Section 31 is. Like, I really like the stuff where he where he was like, if you want to destroy Section 31, we don't have like a base. We don't have like a store. We're the room. internet of evil yeah. agencies. Yeah. 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 Our server isn't in Ukraine. Right. You know? <laughs> Because that's not how this stuff works. Yeah, uh, but it was, but it was a, a literalization of what's in his head, uh, and it was all messed up because he's dying and stuff. And I, I thought that was really nice. I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, it, it, it is a nice. Um, that's the only nice symbolic measure of being in Sloane's head is that that yeah. final scene. There was there were two things that I thought were a cool dream imagery, which was that one, and I also liked the bit where <laughs> Good Sloane is like, "Yeah, man." No, totally. I I came here to give you what you want, and then he says it, and it's like not, it's like gibberish. Yeah, all right. I yeah. thought that was yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. Also, uh, Bashir finds out that it's a dream still using the same logic from the Batman the animated series episode, which is uh, when it comes to reading. Uh, in Batman, you can't read when you're a dream in a dream, but in this one, it was. <laughs> You can't uh he can't read past a certain page of a tale of two cities because that's as far as he knows in the book. Yes. They just copy pasted <laughs> sure. it. Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Start it over again. Page two hundred and twenty seven. Ezri's read this book five times and she never noticed that problem. I know. That was that was uh that was some uh, uh if you, you can you can make the case that O'Brien is is dim sometimes, but <laughs> him saying that maybe the book starts over is probably the dumbest thing he's ever said. <laughs> I mean, he is an engineer. Maybe he's thinking of like instruction manuals, how after the English section, it you, starts over and this right. time it's in French. You never, you never open to the English section right away when you got no, those never, things. No, you know? never. Uh, let's do five minutes on Bashir and O'Brien, I guess, just as a... Because uh, they want to do five minutes on each other. <laughs> That's right. O'Brien loves his wife. He loves his wife. Sure. The more he says that, the sure. more he convinces himself that this That's, is the truth. I did really enjoy that stuff where he's like, I, 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 lo- I, love, I love my wife. <laughs> and Bashir's like, yeah. Bashir's sure. like, I can say it, baby. I can say yeah. it. It's no big deal. He's like, I, I love Arayuka. I love her very much. I, I like that they even kind of um, went overboard with the Esri stuff just to have it swing back the other way where he's like, I love Esri. <laughs> Passionately so. <laughs> but I just like you a little bit more. What do you think of their... He's like, like, you like me a little bit more. He's like, yeah, like bit. you. Just, you know, <laughs> like you. It's that stiff upper lip uh, British syndrome, I guess. They just can't have trouble opening up to each other. Um, I mean, is like, what do, what do you think of these guys' pairings over this series? I think it's... I enjoy it. I think it's a good good combination it's not one that i would have thought made sense initially um but it actually kind of does because like i said o'brien is a literal tie to tng and bashir is very much that sort of uh character yeah so i guess it makes sense that they would hang out yeah i um i wonder if they overdid it yeah between the two they're they're so they're so together all the time in the later seasons. Yeah. Uh, like they they just booted the O'Brien family out of there, obviously, and we're like, you two hang out because it works better. But I feel that they um they became. <laughs> I did. Sorry, I did like it when he's like, no, this isn't a dream. Keiko's in the other room, and Bashir was like, is she? Go kiss her right now. And he's like, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that. She's asleep, my man. She, I can't go in there. There, I think they. 
I think they became codependent in some ways, particularly O'Brien. I think he just became codependent on Bashir. Bashir still had some of his own standalone stuff that he was doing later on, but yeah. I think Bashir real or O'Brien really suffers later on because of it. And I think like when we get to it, I think like I think O'Brien might be the weakest DS9 character out of all yeah. of them. Uh, yeah, I think which, so too. Which is surprising going into it, but I think that his relationship with Bashir is a big reason why that's a part of it because he just becomes a um he becomes kind of the annoying nag not annoying he becomes kind of the nag character to Bashir's optimism in a lot of mm. ways and it's just it feels like it feels like he no longer is the chief engineer of the station as much as he's just Bashir's buddy who doesn't want to do things with him all the time yeah and he, uh, that's lacking oh, good. but that's it it's just i think it lacks in a little bit but i i like the pairing i think the friendship is good and I like their scenes together and everything, but I, th- I think they depended on it too much. Yeah, I think they kind of forgot how to write for him without Bashir around. Um, and I don't know if that's due to the fact that everybody on the writing staff is like a single guy or something. But, yeah. um, you know, the stuff when when they did write for him, when it wasn't a Bashir-centric story and it was with his family and stuff, it never felt, it never rang true. Uh, it never really worked. Um, it just it, he just ended up kind of becoming this character that only worked as a foil to Bashir, um, and yeah, the, he kind of he kind of turns into a a bit of a just a counterpoint machine for Bashir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's unexpected. I wouldn't have expected O'Brien to turn out that way by the end of the series. But I, I think mean, he's pretty... is it really that surprising though? Like, it, is does he really have that? much interesting going on no he doesn't be, but, but i mean they screwed up everything that they were trying to make his character point like the sure. family's bad sure. uh he's a decent engineer but he i think we've talked about this before o'brien tends to be the character in the series that uh has the crusher role dr crusher role from the tng where if they couldn't quite figure out who was perfect for a story they gave it to o'brien Sure. Just for yeah. the hell of it. And so he, he ends up with kind of a schizophrenic personality where his stories are all over the place and he's you know, he's playing an undercover cop in one episode for some yes. reason. Yeah. And he's chief engineer in another one. So he he's really ill defined in that way. Yeah, I think for better uh for better or worse, they had one or two episodes fairly early on where they just knocked it out of the park with him as far as him and Bashir. Like the one where they I guess it's not that early on, but the one where they get trapped on that planet. Yeah, gotta get away. I think he's even that stronger episodes. in the first two seasons. He has he has a couple standalone O'Brien episodes that I think are his best stories through the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they when they paired him with Bashir and they had episodes like that one where they were they work together so effectively. I You're think talking about the one where they uh, what is it called Hippocratic Oath, where they're they're yeah. conflicted about curing the Jem'Hadar of their addiction. Yeah, I think I think that became sort of like a, you know a chasing chasing the dragon kind of thing, where it's like, well, this was so great. This is a great pairing. Yeah, why can't you know we should put these guys together all the time? And then they do that, and it never quite strikes gold the way you did the first one or two <laughs> instead times. of an ethical conundrum what if they play alamo with each other it's like oh okay oh boy. can i talk is the alamo stuff gonna pay off just tell me is it does it ever pay off because they talk about it so much <laughs> to my recollection it does not pay off uh how do you have a thread go through your story <laughs> to the extent that they did with this alamo shit and then not even have it be like a metaphor i might be wrong 
And hopefully I'm wrong because it is on this rewatch. It's so prominent in their two storylines. I, I might be wrong. I honestly don't remember it if it is a part of it. Uh, like I, there's, I can't not think that the last two episodes or what, what do we have? Like three left? Two. It's just two. Just two? The next one and no, then the finale. Th- yeah. Oh, the, oh, the finale is a double, a double parter, right? Yes. Yeah. Like a, okay. Yeah, I I can't imagine that it doesn't end with some sort of like siege on Deep Space Nine or something because that's like you know like the Alamo, <laughs> and if that isn't what happens, then uh, I don't know what they were doing. Unless again, like I said, unless the Breen take off their helmets and it's Santa Anna, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they mention Colonel or Travis like data and- data with that sombrero on. <laughs> that's that right for the Mexican data. Do they mention Colonel Travis in this episode? Is that what what happens? Do they mention him? They mentioned uh, him recently. No, I think. they mentioned him a couple either last episode or the episode before. This one they just mentioned it in passing when they're talking about how they like spending time with each other and not <laughs> other women. Why say? Why didn't they just have him kiss? We'll have or like it was, it, I don't know. They should have. <laughs> Maybe uh, the discovery. Uh, Colbert and Stamets brushing their teeth scene was an homage to this, where it's like the un, the, you know, the unmentioned <laughs> sexual tension between two people who just need to get it over with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you could have had them like kiss or something, and then it'd just be like, well, it got really crazy inside. It was in that other guy's mind. We didn't know you if know, we, we were going to get out. Yeah, yeah. Like he made us touch butts. <laughs> it's not that like we want to do it, but I mean. We'll have, do, you want, do you want to do it? We'll have more to say about Bashir and O'Brien, I think, in our wrap-up. Uh, we're getting to the end. But this is this is their final... There's only two episodes left, Clay. We're at the end mm. of this thing, basically. That's, that's wild, man. I, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how to feel about this. I... I gotta say, I'm still... I'm a little bit disappointed in this last, you know, last slide here. Yeah, this uh, one didn't... I mean, you were very excited the episode prior to this, and then this one came in like yeah. a bucket of cold water, and it's just like, calm down. Yeah. yeah. I think I was, you know, going into this one, the fir- the beginning was really good, and I saw what they were doing uh, with Bashir, what I thought they were doing with Bashir, and so I was just... I was ready for this to be really great, and it is not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip, and then we'll come back. We'll read some patron thoughts, give our final thoughts about Extreme Measures. I'll have to wait. It's not that simple, Chief. There is no building, no room like this in the real world. Section 31 has no headquarters. These files, they exist only in the minds of a very select group of people. And I happen to be one of them. If you really want to destroy Section 31, it's now or never. If you enjoyed the content, you can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month and you get extra podcasts. You get the ability to vote on what we cover. You get all that good stuff, live streams, everything like that. So you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. As always, our Captain Tier supporters there get a shout out. Special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Cork, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Mosk, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Yarp, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt, uh, Kyle Barrett, Matt Courier, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean, Tarek Latif, Tom Hiles, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Get out of my mind. I'm about to eat my sci-fi cyanide capsule to kick everybody out of there. And into my car.
into my car. Da, 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 da. All right, let's go to patron thoughts. If you're a patron, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them on the podcast. Captain Quark says, <clears throat> excuse me. I like the tactic that Bashir used to lure Sloan to the station, but it's disappointing that the writers employed the deus ex machina of Bashir and O'Brien inceptioning themselves into Sloan's mind as a way to find the cure. I would have preferred Sloan's capture and interrogation with the Romulan mind probes to be the conclusion of the story, not the beginning. On a final note, I understand that O'Brien and Bashir's bromance scene was supposed to be awkward, but why did it have to be so long and so talky? Actions speak louder than words. Just kiss already. Mm, Point that's extra- why they never got together, because they knew it would just be long and talky. That's right. You know, also, why <laughs> the Sloan thing again, yeah, doesn't make a lick of sense. Like, so if he shows up there and he doesn't know that Bashir was fucking with him, what is his plan? Why does he talk to Bashir at all? Yeah, he shows up and he's like, I've got another mission to send you on, Doctor. And he's like, actually, no, I tricked you. And he's like, what? Doctor, it doesn't you know? <laughs> say in your file that you sleep in your uniform. What's going on here? Like, it's just like so what? If you, if, unless he was going to somehow convince Bashir to, to destroy it himself or something, why would you yeah. even talk to Bashir? It just, it doesn't seem a super secret spy thing. Why would thing. you send Sloan? <laughs> right. Bashir the, the knows this guy. Knows. <laughs> Section 31, send one of your other guys. Send the guy from the dream who shoots them in the hallway. Yeah. I don't know who the fuck that guy is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably not the best super spy technique to do exactly the same thing that you did last time. Yes. To introduce yeah. yourself, to just show up sitting in a chair in a bedroom. That it, it, They probably are waiting for you to do that. Let's see here. Next comment. Point Extra G says, so it's a change of pace episode. This is Julian and Miles going for a romp through Sloane's brain. It's kind of weird that these two get a whole episode to themselves here in the last bit of the show. When will these two express their true love for each other? Norman Buckwell says, welcome to the sons and daughters of this arc. It should have been a more proper, uh, it shouldn't have been. The most proper expectation, most suitable story would have been about O'Brien and Bashir on an adventure dealing with and doing their best to outwit Section 31 and Sloane. Instead, we get distant voices in Sloane's mind. This episode is nonsensical and the plot twist was way too obvious. I would have rather had Tacking in the Wind be followed with Dogs of War with some offstage solution of Bashir and O'Brien finding the antidote in between. One and a half out of five. Mm, that's not satisfying either. <laughs> no, this, this is no good solution. <laughs> Zam Nuclear Wessel says, I'm mixed on this episode, but I do like the different versions of Sloan we see. The only, only the first and the last match up with the man we knew, but they all still feel like insights. As Garrick said, it's all true, especially the lies. Christian- I, I have to say, when... When uh, when Bashir was like, who knows what we'll see in there? We might even see Sloan as a child. I was like, oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> Just a child oh, in leather. We're going to get like a walk through his history or some shit like that. Uh, they, I mean, they basically did that, but they did a, a, a more, a, a much more boring, <laughs> it's, it's, lazy it's, way of doing that. But it's just I was Sloan's totally father. expecting. I was totally expecting they show up and then there's like a little kid there and he's like, follow me. And like, who's that kid? And Bashir's like, that it's, must be Sloan as a child. Yes. You know, and I was like, oh, fuck. I was, just, I was waiting for that. And it, arguably they did something worse. So It's just a flashback of Sloan's father hitting him while saying the ends justify the means over and over yeah. again. Did you yeah. watch um, the most recent season of Stranger Things? No. So, well, there's a sequence where they like essentially do this, where they have to go into someone's mind and whatever, and they use it as an opera. They go into like the bully's mind, and they use they just do like a ten minute sequence where you sh- where it shows the history of this kid and how he ended up as a bully. Yeah, 
And I was like, uh, okay, I don't know if this is really that necessary to learn why this shitty kid became a shitty kid, yep. but whatever. You always, you always have to know where people came from, I suppose. Guess what? You don't. Christian Pouch says, so this episode is pretty weird. A strange tangent from the main thread of the war. I wonder if Sloane could really be captured that easily, but I kind of like it. I like that Bashir resorts to the level of Section 31's own tactics to get what he wants. I like that Sloane is still playing with him even inside his own head, which he proves he could do in Inter Arma Enim Silent Legus. And I enjoy seeing Bashir and O'Brien working together again after being largely sidelined. It's not as good as Inter Arma, but it's not that bad either. Neil Brennan says... Uh, I just want to say, I do have to say... Uh, I think the time has passed now because it's too big again for them to cast a lesser-known actor. Unfortunately, that's the, the term to use. Uh, Alexander Siddig would be a fantastic Bond villain. Yeah, he would be right. That that scene that scene where he's doing the stuff to Sloane. It was it was essentially. Uh, do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. <laughs> Bond. I expect you to die. <laughs> and he was he's very good at it. Neil Brennan says. Extreme Measures, 1990s credits equals instant spoilers. Good to know that Sloane is going to turn up in the episode before he's even seen on screen. Speaking of the 1990s, the O'Brien Bashir heartfelt conversation would be an hour-long fuckfest in any modern TV show. <laughs> I did I did also notice that where they were like, who knows who they'll possibly send from Section 31. They could be anyone. And then the credits are like, it's that guy, the only one we've ever seen. <laughs> Yarpy says, great to see William Sadler again. They should have used him more in the show. Section 31 was a bit underutilized in DS9. The episode itself feels like a bottle episode, but it's still a pretty good outing and a good use of O'Brien. In modern times, they'd probably make their relationship into these two are totally gay for each other instead of two guys being bros and having fun. Sloane is one of those characters who you think you know more about, uh, who you think you'd like to know more about, but probably better to keep things shrouded in mystery. Here's a question. Does a relationship like this always have to end up with them making out with each other? Isn't isn't them kind of recognizing the Brokeback Mountain type tension almost enough? I'm not saying that because, you know, I don't want to watch them kiss or anything like that. It's just like, doesn't isn't there something almost more appropriate for them to kind of come to the realization that, yeah, something... There's something else going on here. Not necessarily <laughs> acting on it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it, the, just having them make out. I would say it's the same kind of thing I say with Odo and Kira, where it's like, I I don't know if them actively, like, acting out whatever passion or whatever is necessarily the right way to go all the time. I think there is room for degrees of, of relationship revelation. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you. Um, You know, we're, we're in kind of an era of... uh. You know, men are too emotionally stunted and things like a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of male problems tend to come from the fact that we're not allowed to expose our emotions or anything like that. So whether it's like a society thing that's holding us down or whether it's a biological drive for men. Mm-hmm. I've um when they have episodes of this on TV and stuff where these guys are like, here, we're, we're just really good friends, which I think is what the episode is saying, kind of, uh, because I I don't know how directly it's saying that this is a romantic interest in each other. Right, right. right. But. I like do do a lot of guys have deep relationships like they're trying to portray O'Brien and Bashir here. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I don't have male friendships that approach this level of this is borderline a romantic interest in each other. <laughs> like I I just don't I don't see that in male to male relationships. So it's strange did you that ever they're think trying to that, Did you ever think that maybe that's you? 
I, that's that's why I'm the, asking. I'm asking. I'm prob- asking. The, the problem is with you. That <laughs> no, nobody wants to stick around, Wes. <laughs> I just, the, I I feel like it's a it's a portrayal of male relationships that doesn't seem realistic to me. And like, I'm glad they're friends and everything, but I just mm-hmm. I find it I find it so unrelatable, just personally. That I it's it's. You know, it seems to me well, more like it's a disguise for these two in a in a show that I think was more true. What you're saying is kind of fits better that like they have some kind of romantic interest in each other, even mm-hmm. if they don't pursue it at that point. I don't know. I mean, I, I I think it's I think it's fairly common. I would assume to to have like a friend, especially in a situation like this. It, you know, in a Starfleet situation on a ship or something. It makes sense to me that there would be one guy that you kind of become really good friends with, and he's just the the one that you hang out with. You know, over I, your, I don't over your that. family, <laughs> I guess that's the yeah. Maybe like, not over your family, but you know, yeah, I, I yeah. Maybe they push it a little too far, but like the idea of them having just a really close platonic male friendship is not. I don't think it's that weird. No, I don't. I don't think it's well. No, I don't think it's weird. I. I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I, it must just be it's personal. I guess it's all personal preference. It just seems, I can't think of any males I know who have the O'Brien-Bashir relationship. Sure. Really. Like, sure. It, ju- yeah. it just seems, it seems unrealistic or that the show, like, is is the show poking fun at this fact that they are basically in a romantic relationship because if they i think the show kind of does that a lot of time yeah. where it's like wink wink like this is a like this relationship is deeper than either of these characters are willing to let on and i don't think that's oh, I, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say i i definitely don't think that they they have that scene in the hallway here because it's the writers honestly recognizing that these two have something more with each other. I think it's them recognizing that it seems like these two are really into each other. Okay. You, you know, I it, it doesn't feel to me like they are being honest in, in being like, yeah, no, these guys actually do have a, have a really close relationship. And, and Oh, whatever. I see. It's, so you're, you think the fun continues through this episode? <clears throat> this isn't a... So their interaction at the end is not really a. It's more played for comedy, kind of. Then is what you're saying. I think it's. I think it's kind of. Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of a little bit of both. Where I think it's. I I don't think it's the writers. Yeah, I think it feels to me like maybe I'm give, not giving them enough credit, but it, it feels like at the time where this was made, it's not a sincere. Uh, revelation about their relationship as much as it is them kind of being like, yeah, we like each other. That's not mm. weird. There's yeah, I not guess... that there's anything wrong with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, that feels weird. That feels the the wrong place to do that kind of storyline, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I would, I think it's better if you read it as sincere. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't I, play I that way for you. I don't know. It feels a little bit too. That scene goes on so long. <laughs> it's like it's clearly a joke. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. and it's like, eh, it's just, they're not. I don't know. I, I, I think reading it as sincere is is probably the better way to go. But I don't know if it was written as sincerely as as it should be read. 
Samuel S. says, I both really love and really hate this episode at the same time. What I hate is the storyline. This episode reminds me of 1950s sci-fi, but in a bad way. O'Brien and Bashir wearing those goofy-looking helmets spitting out pseudoscience BS was just ridiculous. What I loved, however, were the character moments that the two have in their final adventure together. The conversation about liking each other more than their romantic partners I found especially delightful. Overall, this is a bad story riddled with good scenes. Three out of five. Final comment, Kyle Barrett says, The idea of going into people's minds or dreams, everything holding some weird symbolism and Lynchian dream logic is my favorite kind of TV episode, which makes this my least favorite episode of the arc because everything it does is so poor. It's such, a, it's such a wasted concept with no real thought behind anything. There's nothing to analyze, and whether down to budget or writing, setting the whole thing in two rooms in a corridor is incredibly boring. The mm-hmm. episode wastes so much time, too. It's too long before they enter Sloane's mind, and when they get there, they spend five minutes joking about letting go of the turbo lift handles. I know there's a conspiracy theory that Christopher Nolan got the idea of Inception from this episode, and I may <laughs> give it a bit of credence because Sloane also says something very similar to the it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me line from Nolan's Batman in the episode. Well, that's Batman, though. That's not Inception, so theory busted. It's just it's a very important work of art for Christopher Nolan. He, this episode. he got his idea for, ba- of, for Batman from this episode. But overall, not Inception. overall, while it's still much better than the similar season three episode, Distant Voices, I think Extreme Measures is a failure and the only straight up bad episode of the final arc. Two out of five. Thank you, patrons, for your thoughts. Thank you for uh, supporting the show. Clay, what are you going to give Extreme Measures on a scale of one to five? Uh, have I given a one at all in this last run? No, you, you haven't know? given a two, I don't think, either. So if really? you want to go, go one, we give a bunch of threes, then a four, then a five. I'm going to go with two because, yeah. like I said, I'm I'm really riding the, the uh, potential train on this one, and uh, that obviously doesn't really help if the, the episode does not meet that potential, but I think there are a couple good things in it. That opening scene is really nice, um, the scene in the hallway, or not the scene itself, but like what they end up doing with those characters is fun and nice. Yeah. Yep. Um, I like Cisco in this episode. Yeah, Cisco was good yeah. too. Yeah. I I I, I wish <laughs> I think I have to put the, the clip of in the open in the cold open where Bashir is explaining. I love when Avery Brooks reacts as though he is really Avery Brooks and not Cisco anymore. He goes, yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that that clip of Krusty the Clown after they play the European itchy and scratchy and they cut back and he's just What? <laughs> the hell was that? <laughs> um it always reminds me. Uh, uh, I don't know. Did you, did you watch the X Files at all? A lot? Uh, not a lot, but a, a uh, few of the episodes. Yeah. There's an episode. One of the better episodes. I can't remember the name of it. It's a it's a very Rashomon type episode, and uh, someone is explaining what they saw, uh, which includes when Mulder and Scully show up. He's recounting what they did when they showed up, and it's very tongue in cheek and it's very uh, uh, meta. But uh, there's a certain point where Mulder comes over and, like, lifts the sheet off this body and just goes, ah! <laughs> and it's like, I didn't do that. And he's like, no, not exactly, but that's what I got from it. You know, that right. kind of thing. And that's what it reminds me of every time he he, he lets out a little squeal for some reason. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think I have to give it a two as well. Um, what's the argument for a one here? Is it, like... It's. I think the placement of it is terrible. Placement um, of it is bad. I, I, both in terms of the arc, you mean? I think of just like it's one of those weird with two episodes left in the series. You give this is yeah. is one of them kind of kind yeah. of thing. The same way I approached uh, TNG, but like it's so strange because it's the placement is bad, 
given where you are in the in the series but it's also it's also bad because the placement you have is 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 you have the potential for it to be a very affecting episode given yeah. all the stuff that's in play whether it's Bashir crossing the line or Odo dying they don't even cut back to Odo at all in no. this episode yeah. he's just there at the beginning and then he's fine at the end it's not like he's on a timetable at all either you know no that's what that's it, what's so strange about his the, his sickness arc in this is that it feels so inconsequential to everything yeah 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 and uh you know if they had if they had used the positioning and the story that they were telling to more effectiveness then maybe it wouldn't be a bad placement but as as it stands it's bad placement it's bad execution no i um, i like your i like your point about if this was to show bashir breaking bad basically it's a yeah. great finale for him section 31 and the series where Sloan, even as Sloan dies from his sci-fi cyanide capsule, he said he still took down Bashir. He still changed him in a way and yeah. made him see the made him see that he's been wrong for the past couple of episodes. And they don't do they, that. Yeah, they don't even do something as simple as like having a shot inside as everything's like falling apart inside the Section Thirty One room, where like o'brien turns around and bashir is wearing the section 31 uniform right or something you yeah. know what i mean like yep. they don't even go that deep with it and it's like there's so much stuff you've had this character that you've been driving to this point for seven seasons and you finally put him in position to tell the story and you completely blow it yeah no 100 percent agree i mean is that a one um i think if you if you look at this episode on its own merits Metatextual aside, I would say it's a two. Right. But I think it's a one in the context of the whole series. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a one for its placement in the final arc. You can you can stick sure. with a two. I'll give it the one just to knock down the average a little bit. I, I think it's I was tremendously bored while watching this, and it might be that mm-hmm. thing that we always mention where they're so late in production at this point that they just can churn out a competent thing even if it sucks yeah. at the same yeah. time. And this is pretty much a huge misfire for closing out Bashir, a misfire for where it sits in the season, and a misfire for just the final arc, I think. So I'll, I mean I'll give it a one. I think I think the two also is like as as crummy as this kind of is, I would rather watch this than watch Worf and Esri travel to point A to point B and then intercut with fucking Kai Wynn reading a book. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I think it's not the worst stuff that they've done. I just think it's the most potential wasted. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you'll give it a two. I'll give it a one. Thank you very much, patrons, for li- or all the listeners for listening, patrons for supporting the show. We've only got one left, the Dogs of War, and then we go to the finale. So we're excited. Or I guess we'll do the uh, Emissary Revisit, which seems like it'll be the thing before the finale. So um, we had that vote on Patreon, and people decided that they wanted to hear us revisit Emissary before the finale happens. So that'll be the order I'm just going to make. F- I'm just going to make fun of Cisco's hair the whole time. <laughs> They're punchy suits. And uh, yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about that. That probably won't be a super long podcast. And then you'll have the series finale after that. So that's it. All the social media links are down below. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, Rotten Horror Picture Show, which is the horror podcast I'll be doing with Amanda from... Real Ripe, Real Rotten, West Craven that we did will be starting uh, early next year, I think. And we just Which is actually another like episode. two weeks. Early next yeah, year always sounds like Dude, it's Don't week, even yeah. tell me that. Don't even say that to me. Uh, and uh, I was hoping to have the Batman Q&A out this week, but I guess it'll probably be next week. It's just I haven't had the time to, to cut it all together and stuff, but sure. that'll be coming out soon, too. All right. 
Guys, thank you very much. Let us know what you thought about Extreme Thoughts. You can email us. You can write the comments on YouTube. You can do all that stuff. Catch us on Twitter. Strange episode. A very, a very strange episode. Mm. Anyway, we'll be back with the Dogs of War, the penultimate episode of DS9. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you later.